In the name of our living and loving God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The lectionary of the Church of England, its pattern of daily readings across the year, can feel quite mysterious to the person tasked with offering some reflection on any given day. Sometimes the combination of readings does not yield any obvious or straightforward links. On such occasions, I prefer to look at one of the readings rather than to weave connections that were almost certainly not in the minds of those who set them. At other times, for reasons known only to the compilers of the lectionary, sections of a passage are excised from a reading altogether, as in the case of today's selection from Mark's Gospel. I wonder... Excuse me, about the breath... I wonder if any of you who are familiar with Mark's Gospel have noticed what's missing from today's reading. It's a rhetorical question, so don't worry. I'm not going to put anyone on the spot. But even if you cannot readily recall the two instances from Jesus' ministry that the lectioneers, if that's what they're called, have decided to omit, I'm sure they'll be familiar to you. In between Mark 6, 30-34 and 53 to the end, the verses that make up the Gospel reading as printed in your service sheets are the accounts of the feeding of the 5,000 and Jesus walking on the water. They are certainly not insignificant events in the ministry of Jesus and are grist to the mill for theological reflection. It was therefore very tempting to focus on what is missing from today's reading rather than to wrestle with what's actually present. But I've resisted the temptation and bow to the lectioneer's wisdom, secure in the knowledge that those stories are picked up elsewhere in the lectionary. What struck me in pondering those verses is the tension present between reflection and activism. The reading begins with the words, "'The apostles gathered around Jesus "'and told them all they had done and taught.'" So where had they been and what had they been doing? Well, earlier in Mark 6, we're told how Jesus sent out the twelve, two by two, to preach and teach, to heal and cast out demons. And the Gospel writer records that they met with considerable success. Understandably, they would have been bursting with excitement and longing to give Jesus an account of their mission. But it seems they were being constantly interrupted by the coming and going of many who were attracted to Jesus and all that was going on in his ministry. Jesus recognized this, and no doubt also that the twelve were exhausted as well as elated and in need of a rest. So Jesus, as he so often attempts for himself in the gospel accounts of his life, encourages the apostles to take time out for rest, saying, Come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest for a while. Soon their peace would be interrupted by the crowds who had seen their departure and raced to catch up. But for a short time at least, there was an opportunity to pause, take a breath, reflect and rest. It's not always easy to do that because there is a real human tendency to measure ourselves as successful or not, in relation to how busy we keep ourselves. Maybe that's even more so in the 21st century, 
Western society that we live in than at any other time in history. The danger, of course, is that we become human doings rather than human beings, driven from one thing to the next with never a moment to stop, draw a breath, and listen to what God might be saying to us. Unhealthy levels of stress and anxiety can be the result of living life at such a frantic pace and with a drivenness that stifles joy and wonder and appreciation of life. There will certainly be periods in life when pressures on us seem incessant and there's never a minute to spare. Those pressures might arise through work demands, relationship difficulties, financial demands or ill health, or combinations of any of those things and others. And sometimes the only way through is through. In other words, we have to keep on going, our engines running on hot, as it were, until reaching that point where we can take a breather. It's something I've experienced in my own life at different times. Maybe you have too. When physical and emotional resources have been pushed to the limit by the things going on in your life and of those near and dear to you. Thankfully, I have never reached the breaking point, though sometimes it has felt close. But what I've learned from those experiences is the importance of taking time out to stop doing and start being. It can feel counterintuitive when demands are coming in from numerous directions at the same time to come away to a deserted place, as Jesus put it. But unless we do so, the demands will overwhelm us. We would never consider driving a car for 100,000 miles without paying attention to its mechanical needs. And yet it can be all too easy to overlook the care that we should give to ourselves in order that our lives are lived to the full, in the best sense of the word. Jesus, after all, came that we might have life and life in all its fullness, not life in all its busyness. And elsewhere he says, Come to me all you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Back now to the Gospel, and after a short but vital interlude of rest, which was not much more than a boat ride across the lake, Jesus resumes his ministry because the crowds have followed him. And he performs the two miracles that the reading misses out. The first is where he involves the twelve in the feeding of the five thousand. The second where he walks on water. Out of that brief period of rest and reflection in the boat comes action, as Jesus is moved with compassion for the crowd. Immediately after that, after that miracle, Jesus ushers his disciples back into the boat to cross ahead of him to the other side, while he goes up the mountain to pray, all of them taking another opportunity to get away from the crowd and be still. <coughs> then when the boat comes back to land at Gennesaret, Jesus, having met them on the water, launches back once again into his healing ministry. There seems to be something of a pattern in evidence out of times of quiet, stillness, and reflection comes action. The being is no less important than the doing, and it might even be argued it is the necessary fertile ground 
from which effective Christian mission and ministry flows. When we look at the life and ministry of Jesus, one who frequently sought out time to pray and listen to God, this would seem to be a truth that we ignore at our peril. Increasingly, the direction of travel for the Church of England in its selection and training of clergy seems to be one that is results-driven, with an emphasis on developing leaders at the expense of pastors. The Church needs both, and it would be naive not to recognise that, though those two qualities are not always, and maybe not often, present in the same person to the same degree, even if someone is fortunate to possess both. <coughs> there is a time for doing and a time for being, and the pitfall to avoid is that of allowing the former to demote the latter to the margins. Strategies for growth, evangelism programs, pioneering ministry initiatives all have their place, but alongside, not instead of, the model of leadership that we see clearly in the life of Jesus, that of a shepherd caring for his sheep and ensuring that they find the pasture to sustain their life. I think it's important, maybe as much today as at any other time in history, for all of us who identify as followers of Jesus to pay attention to the example that he sets and enjoins upon his disciples, to find the time and space to be and to rest in God. Then, from out of that stillness, we draw the resources to meet the demands of the day. We cannot avoid these demands, but we can do something about how we meet them. The late Christian priest and psychiatrist M. Scott Peck, author of the best-selling book The Road Less Travelled, used to talk about how he always started his day by getting up very early in order to have some time alone to think, pray and reflect. He was a man with huge demands on his time and was once asked how he managed to set aside that time. How could he afford it? His response was simply, how can I afford not to? For Scott Peck, that space at the start of his day was the wellspring that carried him through the heat of the day and all that would be asked of him. It was his deserted place in which he was able to rest for a while and from which he was sustained through a long and demanding ministry that touched the lives of many. How, I wonder, do those words of Jesus come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest for a while, speak into our lives today? The answer, I'm sure, will be different for each of us. Maybe one place is through the Eucharist, where we come together to share in communion with God and one another. Perhaps it is in a quiet time at the beginning, middle or end of the day, when we interrupt the busy flow of life. Or it could be when you are in the garden or out somewhere for a walk. There is no right or wrong as to where and how we find the space for rest that Jesus spoke of to his disciples, because we are all different. What works for me might not work for you, and vice versa. If you are not a morning person, the thought of getting up early to fit in a quiet time will leave you cold. 
just as setting time aside lasting at night would not be attractive to an early riser. But each of us does need to find the pattern that works for us. We all need to step off the treadmill for a little while, draw a breath and allow God to refresh us before heading back into the fray. It seems then that those responsible for the lectionary have, through their decision to leave out of this morning's reading, the account of two very active miracles, focused our attention on a vital aspect of the Christian life that we avoid at our peril. Those words of Jesus spoken to the first disciples are also for us. Come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest for a while.